0: Well, happy Sunday, everybody. So as you can see, Jonathan is not up here. I am Austin. I'm the worship pastor here at the Summit, and I'm super excited to get the chance to wrap up our Joseph series, Living the Dream, today. First thing, though, um, I was sitting on the front row here, and I came to an awesome and terrible realization at the same time that the band sounds fantastic without me. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll make sure this is a rare thing, right? No, they're, they're awesome. And, uh, and I'm really excited to get to change it up. Most of the time I'm singing with these guys um, back here, but today I get to speak. And I want to catch you up to speed for anybody who hasn't been here for uh, maybe any part of this series or maybe bits and pieces. We just saw a cool video that recapped a little bit of the story of Joseph. But let me get you up to speed to where we're at right now. So basically, Joseph was in a family where he had a lot of siblings. And for anybody who has a lot of siblings, or maybe even one sibling, you know that Joseph made a terrible mistake by telling them that he was his dad's favorite kid, right? So big mistake, Joseph. So the brothers got really angry. They decided, you know what, we'll kill him. And they're like, no, no, no. Let's just cover up his death. We'll sell him into slavery, make a little cash. On the side. And so Joseph finds himself a slave in Egypt. He later finds himself in prison because of a false accusation. And then where we landed last week was he gets out of prison because he gets the chance to interpret a dream for Pharaoh, who's in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh basically makes Joseph second in command over Egypt, in charge of, of selling grain um, because there's a famine, but Egypt has enough food. For everybody, and so Joseph finds himself here at a pretty good spot in his story. Now, there's more to his story, but if I'm Joseph, I feel like at this point I would have felt like, okay, I have arrived. Um, Everything that I've been through has come to an end. Maybe I'm I'm at terms with with my past. I, I, I get it. I went through this hard time, but now I'm here in Egypt. I'm living my best life, and this is awesome, right? Well, we, we know that he had at least come to terms with what had happened because of what he chose to name his kids. This is pretty interesting. Check this out. It says, Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. And then Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. First, I'll be the one to say it, terrible names for kids, right? Here's imagine, I'm trying to imagine my first child being born and me looking at this beautiful baby and saying, you know what you you look like? You look like uh, I'm over my past. It's great. No, but look, this is what Joseph did and he's not here to defend himself, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. So Joseph names his kids. Hey, I've forgotten about my father's family and and everything um, that's happened to me now. I, I see as you know uh, being fruitful and where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm I'm over my past. This is this is behind me, and I'm I'm just gonna do my thing and help rule Egypt and sell grain. <clears throat> and so Joseph's dad back home, not not knowing that Joseph has anything to do with this in Egypt at all or anything, but they're, they're experiencing some of this famine as well. They're running out of food too. And so Jacob says, you know what? We need to do something about this. And he says one of the best dad quotes in the entire Bible to his kids to tell them to go get some food. He says, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. I remember moments like this with my dad. I don't know about y'all, but i you can probably tell by looking at me, I'm not really a, a, a car guy, right? I'm still, you, you, y'all shouldn't laugh when I say that. There there's a, definitely was a season of my life when my, I think my dad wanted me to be a car guy um, because he was into cars and he used to tell me, hey, let's go out to the garage and let's, let's work on this. Well, he quickly found out that about the best thing I had to offer was to hold the flashlight while he actually worked on the cars. And, and he used to say to me, he would get so frustrated, he would say, what are you standing there looking at? Help me, help me hold this. And I'm like, look, dad, I'm, you just asked me to hold the flashlight. I'm just doing what I was told. So I think the brothers here are having the same type of experience with their dad. He's like, what are you standing around for Go to Egypt and get some grain, get some food, so we don't die from starvation. <clears throat> and so Joseph's brothers, they they begin to head over to Egypt. Now, again, remember, Jacob, Joseph's dad, thinks that his son is, is dead, thinks that Joseph is, is dead. The brothers, they know, okay, we haven't, we at least haven't seen him since we shipped him off here into slavery. So maybe he's alive, maybe he's not. So they, they are definitely not expecting to run in to Joseph, right? Well, his, so his brothers are heading to Egypt to buy some food. And I imagine Joseph's been kind of selling grain all day um, to people coming in and getting food because he was, he was in charge of that. And somebody taps him on the shoulder. Hey, we got one more family back here. that's come a long way. They wanna buy some food too. And so Joseph's like, all right, turns around and sees his brothers. Now, for, for some of you, you might get excited when you see family. For some of you, you might be terrified when you see family, too. I don't know what kind of family you have. But Joseph is definitely not excited when he sees his brothers. Because, I mean, look, he's looking in the face of the people who had basically ruined... A decade or more of his life. I mean, these guys threw him in a pit. They've lied to his father. They're the reason Jacob thinks he's dead, sold him into slavery. He's been in prison because of these guys. I mean, they literally were the root of all of his problems. And so I'm sure Joseph kind of panics a little bit here. Well, do they recognize me? What do I say? What's about to happen? And the the good news is, is they don't recognize Joseph. So he he has a little bit of relief, potentially the same type of relief that we feel maybe when we're in the store or something and we see somebody in the distance that might recognize us and we hope that they don't. (laughs) Maybe it's somebody from high school Um, or maybe it's just, it's that person that you know and I love this person, but I know if I if I talk to him, I gotta give them like an hour. Like they're gonna see. <laughs> if you've never ran into anybody like that, and you you might potentially be that person. But anyways. <laughs> so Joseph has one of these moments where I think he sees the person, they don't recognize him, and he tries to do that smooth kind of cart turn and head the other way. But he's got nowhere to go. So he's gotta think of something. To get them out of there so he can gather his thoughts, um, some kind of plan. So he says, You know what? You guys must be spies. Get out of here. He sends them out of his presence. He has to come up with something to do. So if you want to go back and read this story in Genesis, you can. But there are several chapters of back and forth. Joseph sees his brothers and they have a conversation, they leave. Then they come back, they have another conversation, they leave. There's lots of stuff that's happening in between here. But finally, Joseph reaches a point where he can't conceal his identity any longer. And and his brothers are in front of him again, and he begins to just weep uncontrollably. He's just overwhelmed with emotion. Now imagine what the brothers are thinking right now, because they have no idea that this is, is Joseph. All they see is this Egyptian ruler who's already accused them of being spies, can't make up his mind whether they should stay or go. He sent them away. He's brought them back all all these times. And now this dude is weeping in front of them. I would be terrified. I'm sure they're terrified because they're like, man, this guy thinks we're spies and he's emotionally unstable. We're dead. We're goners, right? So, and, and Joseph has all the power in the world right now to say, hey, just kill these guys. I'm tired of messing with them. Get them out of here. Send them back to their home with with no food. They don't even deserve this. He has all the power to get revenge, but he responds in a really interesting way, and I want to read this. Here's how Joseph responds to his brothers. I'm Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. I can see why. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. He's like ringing a bell. Hey, it's me. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. So this is where it's getting interesting here. Hey, you did all this, but hey, don't be upset with yourself. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for 2 years will last 5 more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. But again, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here. I hope you're seeing a trend here in his response. Not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. So this is really interesting. Because again, Joseph has all the power and all the reason to blame the people who you know, he, you would say is responsible for all his troubles and his hardships, but he continues to say, you know what? Hey, you sold me into slavery. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've been beating yourself up about that, but you know what? Hey, you should forgive yourselves. I've forgiven you because I can see now that it was God. It was God who sent me here, not you. And so Joseph does what he says he's going to do. He's going to take care of their whole family. He actually moves um, his dad and his brothers um, over to Egypt and takes care of them. He's reunited with his dad, which was such a big deal for Joseph because Jacob up until this point thought that he was dead. So he gets to see that his son's alive. There's an awesome reunion. And so they're living there for a couple of years, and Joseph's dad dies. And when he does, the brothers have another Crazy freak out moment because they say, you know what? What if Joseph was just being nice to us so he could be reunited with dad? Now that dad's dead, what if we're goners too? What if Joseph's just gonna decide, you know what? Hey, dad's dead, he's out of the picture. I don't have to keep him happy anymore. So I'm gonna go ahead and kill you guys like I should have in the first place. So he he gets a chance to respond again to his family, and this is how he chooses to respond. But Joseph replied to his brothers, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, this is so good, but God intended it all for good. Again, pointing to God, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Guys, I don't know that I would have responded this way. I might have chose to take revenge. I don't know. I know this isn't generally my first response to people who have done me wrong. Now, this is a great response. In fact, this is the best response Response, grace, forgiveness. Hey, don't beat yourself up about it. Like I can see how God was working in my life. So I, I I get that this is a great response, but I am more interested in how and why Joseph was able to respond this way. More so than just the way he responded. And here's why I think he was able to respond to his family like this. You remember how Pastor Jonathan has said throughout this series, he said, look, when when Joseph is in his story that we're reading right now, Joseph did not know that he was Joseph, right? So throughout all of the things that we've been discussing for the past three weeks until now, Joseph has not had a moment where things have kind of wrapped up, they've come full circle, and he's been able to look back on his entire journey and see how God had been working this whole time. Now, I believe that when... He sees the fact that he's been able to take care of his own family. He's been able to save the lives of so many other people. He has this moment where things have come full circle for him, and he says, oh, okay, I I see now that had I not been sold into slavery, I would have never gotten to Egypt. And then if I hadn't been thrown into prison... I wouldn't have been able to interpret this dream for Pharaoh and be put in the position that I'm in right now and be able to save all these lives. I see God's faithfulness in my life. And because Joseph was able to see God's faithfulness along his story and all of these instances that have been so painful for him, because he could see God's faithfulness, he was able to respond this way to his family. So here's what I think. Good for you, Joseph, (laughs) but I'm not Joseph, and you're not Joseph either. And so how do we get to a place where this is our first response? How do we get to a place where before our story is over, maybe before we see things come full circle in our lives, We can see and trust that God is faithful and working even when maybe we can't physically see it. How do we get to that place? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think that Joseph throughout his story probably kept, you know, the best positive attitude the entire way through. Now, we read when things come full circle. I see all this. Oh, God, you've been working in my life this whole time. But... I imagine there were some hard times when he's a slave, when he's in prison. And probably some times where he's saying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have you brought me here? Why am I experiencing this? Why would you do this to me? And I know these are questions that we've all asked at some point in our life sitting in this room, God, why me? But what Joseph was able to learn in his story and what I wanna encourage you with today is that my interpretation of God's actions does not determine God's intentions. Here's here's how I know this, because even if Joseph had a difficult time and said, God, why me? When he was in prison, that didn't stop the fact that God was prepping him to be able to save his family's life. Just because he interpreted this in a negative way did not change what God was doing behind the scenes. And I see this true for me with with my kids. I've got a two-year-old named Sadie and a four-year-old named Reese, potentially the cutest kids on the planet. So Reese has started doing this thing. It's it's most most of the time around bedtime when she doesn't want to go to bed. And I'll, you know, say something to her and her response to me is "Dad." Her voice is much higher than mine. "Dad, when you say this, it really hurts my heart." You're laughing, but man, it rips me in two, right? <laughs> it's like, how did you think of that? You're four. Where did you get this? So she says, dad, it really hurts my heart. I said, babe, all I told you was you can't dump your whole bag of goldfish in your bed. <laughs> right? We see this maybe with younger kids, too, um, where you know the the child has maybe thrown themselves on the ground and it, oh it's the end of the world they're just screaming and you come in the room and you're like honey what's wrong what's wrong i i told them they shouldn't put their fingers in the electrical outlet <laughs> but to to them you know maybe they wanted to explore this they want to try this out we say no or we make a different decision they interpret it as negative there's oh this is the worst this is the worst thing gosh if dad would only let me put my finger in the electric <laughs> But guess what, see, it's, it's our role as parents to see the bigger picture that our kids can't see. Sometimes, look, I know as a dad that you are actually not going to have much fun if you're electrocuted. <laughs> but she, she doesn't see that. It's my role to see that, and it's her role to learn to, to trust me with what she can see. And see, this... This translates over to our relationship with God as our heavenly father. It's his role to see the big picture. It's my role to learn to trust him in the little snapshot of my life that I can see. And this is this is oh, this is where we get so frustrated sometimes myself included. So I'm a planner. I don't know if we have any planners in the room, but if if you're a planner, props to you. I get you. My <laughs> I used to get so frustrated when I was a kid because my dad would say, um, sometimes we we would have these moments where, um, and if your kid's in the room, don't try this, it doesn't, it really, it never worked out for me. But I would give my friend, I'll be like, you know what, if we corner mom or dad and we ask them this together, there's no way they can say no to both of us, right? And so we would, you know, get together, find a parent, can we go to the movies? Or... Can, can they spend the night or stay longer? <clears throat> and my dad used to tell me, this was always his response, he would say, son, I, I would love to do stuff like that if we plan for it. If we plan for it, we can do that next time. And I'm like, why can't my family be spontaneous like everybody else's family? <laughs> and now, as an adult, I'm like, we're not doing it if it's not on the calendar. If I don't have a couple of days notice, we can't do it. But well, we, we get frustrated at the unknown and what we can't see sometimes, especially in our relationship with, with God. If we can't see God working in our life, we can't see where he's going, we can't see what he's doing. We get so frustrated and bent out of shape. But you know what? We can't see where God is going, but I'll tell you what we can see. We can see where he's been. We can see where he's been. That's, that's our job. You know what? I, if we can understand, I will never be able to see where God is going in the, in the future. That's his thing. That's my, that's, that is not my thing. So I have to look at where he's been. That's the trick of not being so overwhelmed sometimes by what we can't see. That's, that's the trick to learning to trust God's faithfulness even when we can't see him moving in our lives. And I think Joseph as things were coming, you know, full circle for him, not when they were quite there yet. You know, I talked about Joseph probably having some negative moments and saying, "God, why have you done this to me?" Well, I'm sure on the other side of those moments, he also had some moments where he said, "Okay. Look, I get that I'm in prison." But you know what, I I do remember when my brothers were going to kill me, and then they didn't. So I see God spared my life there. I could see where he's been there in my past. And then when I was sold into slavery, at least I got the best gig in slavery, if that exists, with Potiphar, right? And so he can say, okay, I I see that, that, God, you were faithful in my life here. I see where you've been and so when he's in prison, he's able to look back. He's like, God, I can't see where you're going, but I can look back at where you've been. I see how you've been faithful in my life in these other instances. So God, I believe that in this situation and circumstance that you will be faithful as well. How do we do, how do, we do that? You know, I think for someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, uh, maybe what you would say is a mature Christian or believer or something like that. It's probably a little, a little bit easier for you to look back and see all these years and examples of God's faithfulness to you in your life over and over and over and over again. And so you're able to say, oh man, this is hard right now, but you know what, God was faithful here, he was faithful here, he was faithful here. So there's no way I can doubt that he's gonna be faithful right now in this situation that I don't understand yet. But what if that's not you? What if you just started following Jesus? What if you don't have you know, 50 years of God's faithfulness and all those awesome reminders behind you? What if, what if you just made a decision to follow Jesus recently, and now this is like the first hard thing that you have encountered that Jesus is supposed to help you with? And you're saying, where is God in my life? I would encourage you, don't look at your own experiences. Lean into the experiences of the people around you. I believe that God puts people in our lives and in our path for that reason. And if you've been through something, you're on the other side and you can see God's faithfulness in that. I believe then now you have the ability and opportunity to share that story with somebody else who's going through the same thing and help them lean into your experience as well. We lean into other people's experiences all the time in other areas of our lives. So I don't know sometimes why it's so difficult for us to do that with God. But it's like, before we buy anything online, I don't know about you, but I read reviews. Especially on Amazon, looking through, reading reviews. It's like, I don't have experience with this. So before I buy it, I'm going to lean in to what people say who have had experiences with this. And now here's the thing. If you're talking about God, you will hear some people have some great stuff to share. And you'll hear some people that have some negative things to share. But if you are looking for God's faithfulness in your life Your job is to lean into those positive experiences, the encouragement, the stories where people can encourage you and say, hey, I know you might not see it yet, but trust me, God is gonna be faithful. Our kids lean into our own experiences like that. It's like the first time a kid ever hears thunder. Sometimes they're scared to death. It's like, ah, what is this? And then somebody, maybe a parent, maybe an older sibling, anything like that is able to say, hey, you know what? I remember being scared of thunder too. It's actually just a noise. Like it can't hurt you at all. So don't be, don't be scared of this. And so the, the, the kid makes a decision. says, okay, that sounds great. Sometimes they do. Sometimes I guess maybe they're still scared. But my kids have at least leaned into me and said, you know what, dad, I, I trust your experience with this. I'm gonna lean into that. Take your word for it because I just don't have anything in my own life to compare it to yet. So we have to do that with people around us who have experienced God's faithfulness so they can encourage us along the way. And, and for you, if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you maybe, maybe you're here because a coworker um, bribed you. I don't know. Or maybe you're like, hey, I, I don't know. I heard they had food a couple weeks ago. Maybe they'll have food again <laughs> today. Either way, you're here. But you're, you're like, I don't, I don't even have people around me really that I hang out with that might have these experiences. And I would just challenge you with this question. Just ask yourself, and I want you to dig deep for this. Have you had those things in your life that you've experienced where you've chalked it up to good luck or karma or an accident or anything like that? Where you said, man, something great happened to me maybe you said, you know what, it's about time. Oh, I deserve that. It's about time, something like that. Maybe not. Maybe you're maybe you a very humble and generous person, but you you just called it different things. I would ask yourself, has this been evidence of God's faithfulness in my life and I just didn't know what to call it yet? Because you know what, my interpretations of God's actions don't determine God's intentions. And I think, you know what, whether you've chosen to acknowledge God's faithfulness in your life or not at this point does not change the fact that God is faithful and that he loves you and that he sent his son to give his life for you and he wants to be in relationship with you. He did all that for you. If anything, guess what? Man, that's a huge sign of his faithfulness in your life. So here's the thing. I believe with everything in me that no matter what situation or circumstance or pit or prison that you find yourself in if you look for God's faithfulness you will find that God is faithful that's that is our job that is our role And all of this. God's role is to see the big picture, to orchestrate the story. Even when we can't see it, he's working for our good. Even when things were intended to harm us, God works us for our good. Even in the times where we cannot see where God is going, the thing that keeps our sanity is that we can look back at where he's been. So even when you doubt, that maybe God has been faithful or will be faithful to you. Know that if you look for his faithfulness, I believe you'll find it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for stories like this that we can turn to in your word and read of someone else's experiences. God, that speaks so much into what we're experiencing right now in our own lives. And so God, for the person who's followed you for a long time, would you just remind them today, this week, the next time that they face something hard, now that you have not forgotten about them and they can see instances of you being faithful over and over and over again in their lives. And God, would you challenge them to be the person for somebody else who doesn't have those experiences God, to be that person they can lean into Challenge them to share what you've done for them and how you've been faithful. And God, for the person who has never acknowledged their faithfulness, God, I pray that they would be able to see you in their lives if today even is just the first time. So God, again, thank you that no matter what we do, no matter what we can see, no matter how we feel or how we interpret what, You are doing. Thank you, God, for always being faithful, never changing that. In your name we pray. Amen.